In the gospel text for today, Mark reports that early in the morning after the Sabbath is over on the first day of the week, three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, go to the tomb to treat the dead body of Jesus with burial spices. Their conversation on the way to the tomb is about who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb so that they can get inside to care for Jesus' body. But when they get there, the stone is already rolled away. They enter the tomb then and they encounter a young man in a white robe who tells them that Jesus is not there, that he has been raised. He tells them to go and tell Peter and the other disciples that Jesus is going ahead of them to Galilee. They will see him there. In Mark's account, following this encounter, the women flee from the tomb in, quote, terror and amazement. And they say nothing to anyone because of their fear. There is no report in this account of anything that looks like rejoicing, like the celebration of, of good news. There is no delight, there is no excitement, there is no enthusiasm, there is no joy. There is nothing that looks like happiness or relief. The women do not respond to the news from the angel that Jesus has been raised by saying hallelujah or praise God. They do not jump up and down. They do not cry tears of relief or joy. They do not wave little ribbons. Instead, they are amazed and afraid. We forget that the story of that first Easter morning is fraught with fear. We forget that there was shock. We forget that people were stunned into silence because we associate Easter with joy, with rejoicing. We associate Easter with the relief that sweeps over us when what we thought was impossible becomes possible, when what we thought was the end turns out to be the beginning, when weeping recedes and laughter takes its place. But in Mark's gospel, none of that happens on Easter morning. The news that Jesus has been raised from the dead is greeted with terror and amazement. The women go to the tomb anticipating a problem how to roll away the stone, to get access to the dead and broken body of Jesus so they can care for Jesus' body. But when they get there, that problem turns out not to be a problem. Instead, their problem is wrapping their heads around this crazy news, this news that Jesus is no longer dead. Crazy news. Good news, yes, but it's crazy. It means that the world no longer works the way the world is supposed to work. It means that their expectations, as ugly and disappointing as those expectations were, have nothing real and solid to stand on. Things are happening that no one expected to happen, that aren't supposed to happen. And that is terrifying. 
The women go to the tomb to do the hard work, the hard physical work of getting the stone removed from the entrance to the tomb, the hard emotional work of caring for the the body of Jesus. They go to the tomb to do hard work, not to celebrate, not because of hope, not anticipating joy, but rather to do hard, sad, demanding, faithful, compassionate, wrenching work. I feel for them. I understand that faithfulness often feels like hard work. Compassion and attention-giving feels like hard work. Caring for people and caring for arranging things for people feels like hard work. I feel for them. Even when you know you'd be better off aiming your life toward joy, there is still hard work to be done. And if you are a faithful and responsible and caring person, well then, what you have your eye on is all that hard work that needs to be done. Getting all this arranged for Easter Day involved a lot of work. Planning, making arrangements, thinking through all the details, one step followed by another, dealing with different visions of how this might happen. Thinking through everything, organizing, arranging, preparing everything. And not only that, but there is always the work, the hard work of thinking about everything that could go wrong. I've had my eyes glued to the weather forecast for weeks now paying attention, wondering, what if it's not a nice day? What if it rains? What if it's too cold? What if it's windy? What if we do all the things to prepare for everything and then we have to change everything? What if we say to everyone, we will be together in person and then we have to say, sorry, we can't be together in person? I worried about those things. I did the work of worry. This this tent... I worried about this tent. I knew, I just knew that it wouldn't get set up the way that it was supposed to get set up. And guess what? I was right. The sides were only supposed to come halfway around like they are now, but when the tent guys left, the sides were all the way to the corners. So Jan and Kayla and I came out here on Friday. We looked at what they had done, and then we had to figure out how to rearrange the sides. It wasn't quite as simple as just folding it back. It's a good thing I'm tall because there's lots of clips involved. But we did it. One more detail, one more piece of work. And then I thought about other possible issues, things that wouldn't have answers until this very morning. What if people show up too early or too late or not at all? What if running the live stream for the outdoor services creates problems we haven't even imagined? What if there are issues with the sound system? Oh, there's always issues with the sound system. What if people forget to bring chairs? What if some people are willing to wear masks but others won't? And that creates uncomfortableness between us. What if spring break takes a lot of younger families out of town and we don't have but a few children for the children's time? What if COVID restrictions that went back into place at Timbercrest on Good Friday didn't get lifted again in time for this morning? What if, what if, what if? The work and worry of thinking about all those things, planning for all those things, wondering about all those things, trying to set ourselves up for success, but recognizing that any new thing we do is unlikely to come off perfectly. And one more what if was nagging at me. And you might think it's kind of silly, but it did cross my mind. It was this. 
What if somehow we don't even know how to worship together anymore? How to be together on a Sunday morning? It's been so long. Quite honestly, I've spent countless hours in the weeks leading up to today thinking about all the ins and outs, all the potential problems, kind of like the women, I suppose. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? Makes me realize that in some ways, I have spent much of the last year focused on all the things that can go wrong when you can't do the things you've been used, the way you've been used to doing them. I've thought in terms of troubleshooting, recreating, adjusting, correcting, revising. I've thought more often in terms of problems to be solved than I've thought in terms of things to be celebrated. And so it feels to me like I arrive at Easter with a spirit, with a perspective that is confusingly reluctant or at least unused to rejoicing. Reluctant rejoicing is maybe a way to describe it. So much has not gone the way I had hoped or expected in the last year, so it feels strange to hope and expect. Maybe it's the same for you. And so I wonder, on a fresh new day, how does one quickly and fully pivot away from worry or anxiety or fearfulness or just plain fatigue? How do you shed the weight of everything that has happened in this last year so that you can turn the corner to celebration on a day like this day? Turn toward real celebration. How does one get one's rejoicing muscles back in shape? Well, for one thing, if you find it hard to move quickly or easily into rejoicing mode, Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you. If it's hard to go from waiting for the next shoe to drop to jumping up and down. We've been in a foxhole of COVID danger and political and societal upheaval for a long stretch now. And you have to to climb out of that. Climb out and, and get your head up and look around. It's a process with more than a few steps to it. And secondly, don't forget that joy is never manufactured. Joy is discovered. It's uncovered. It's noticed, peeking up from the dark soil. It's like the birds singing when you weren't on the lookout for bird songs. It's the smile on the face you haven't seen in in what feels like forever. It's the sunrise. You know, the sun rises every day. But then one day you notice it again. It's the darkness sliding away. And as it slides away, you realize that you weren't only covered by darkness, you've been clutching to it. Joy uncovered, joy discovered is a change in perspective that no one can force on you, but that sometimes, suddenly, mysteriously, surprisingly, blessedly slips past your expectations and into your heart. 
So when the psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, that's not a command, that's an invitation. This is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day, this new day, this Easter day has been given to us. Like every other day, this day has been given to us. It is a beautiful day, but it's not the only beautiful day. Every day that we are alive is a beautiful day because every day that we are alive testifies to the beauty of life itself. But today, because we recall the Easter story, because we gather on the green grass, because we are warmed by the sun and by each other's presence, this new day of all days brings us joy. This new day of all days brings us joy. Oh man, you're out of practice. (laughs) This new day of all new days brings us joy. Yeah, yeah. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, life can be hard, but it is a gift. It is a gift. And if we remember that, if we can affirm that, then we can rejoice in it. We can be glad in it. Life is a gift. Every expression of new life is a gift. Every expression of resurrection is a gift. We go to the tomb wondering how we will roll away the stone. We go with the problem in mind. That's often the way we travel down the road. We go with good intentions to do good things, but with a problem in mind. We get there, and the problem we expected isn't there. There's no stone to roll away. The tomb is already open. The tomb is already empty. And instead of the problem of rolling away the heavy stone, the problem we have is that we have to let go of our expected problems. We have to let go of our worriness, our worries, our sadness, our darkness. We have to let go of the blanket of depression and grief. We have to let go of it because the angel meets us and says, the thing that you were wrapping your sadness around, it's not here. Your focus on this feeling that everything is dying and everything will die, it's not here. Your certainty that life and love will ultimately disappoint you or betray you, it's not here. Get up. And get moving. Because life is ahead of you. This tomb is empty. And instead of crumpling to the ground, we're invited to skip out the door. And why not? Why not skip out the door? Or roll down the hill. Because we are afraid that what we hope for in our heart of hearts can't possibly be true? Because we are afraid to take a chance on joy? Because we think that as soon as we embrace life, it will be pulled from our embrace because what we've discovered at the opened and empty tomb just isn't what we expected when we got up in the morning? An unmet expectation, even if the expectation was for bad news and not good news, undoes us? When we gathered our burial spices and headed for the tomb to do our hard work, we thought it would be a day for slogging along, and now we are invited to skip. 
Can we stop slogging and start skipping? Look, the testimony of Easter is that joy will come. Rejoicing comes with a new day that offers new hope and new possibility and new life. Rejoicing will come as a gift once we come out of the tomb and let our imaginations take us forward. Let our love for each other lift us up. Let our breathing in and out and in and out remind us that, yes, we are alive. We are alive, and it is good. So what's going to spark your rejoicing today? What has sparked your rejoicing today? What's been your first hint of joy? (coughs) What's your rising tide of joy, your fountain, your spring, your bloom of joy? What is going to let you step out of the foxhole, walk out of the tomb? What is going to open your ears to the angel words, He is risen? And what's going to let you hear those words in a way that doesn't scare you because it's not what you expected? But it delights you because it's not what you expected. As I was writing this sermon this last week, and as I thought about seeing all of you this morning, I found that I just wanted to cry. Tears of sadness for all the time that has been lost to us, all the time that we haven't been together, but also tears of joy that finally that in this hour of worship we can be together. And it's not just you seeing me, but me seeing you and us seeing each other. Maybe joy comes to us most powerfully when the sadness that has been thick upon us finally, finally starts to melt away. When worry and sadness and disappointment and even death can no longer keep us in its icy grip because the sun has come up and has warmed the earth and melted all that was frozen and brought life to all that was dormant and ushered us into a new season of hope. Or maybe joy comes simply because it's a new day. This new day. And we know, we know that this day is a gift from God. We know it and we believe it and we proclaim it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen?